reading from 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Now concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered together to him, we ask you, brothers, not to be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed, either by a spirit or a spoken word, or a letter seeming to be from us, to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. Let no one deceive you in any way, for that day will not come unless the rebellion comes first and the man of lawlessness is revealed. The son of destruction, who opposes and exalts himself against every so-called God or object of worship, so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? And you know what is restraining him now, so that he may be revealed in his time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains it will do so until he is out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will kill with the breath of his mouth and bring to nothing by the appearance of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan, with all power and false signs and wonders, and with all wicked deception for those who are perishing, because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. Therefore God sends them a strong delusion, so that they may believe what is false, in order that all may be condemned who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. But we ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, beloved by the Lord, because God chose you as the first fruit to be saved, through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. To this he called you through our gospel, so that you may obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then, brothers, stand firm and hold to the traditions that you were taught by us, either by our spoken word or by our letter. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts and establish them in every good work and word. The word of the Lord. I used to love watching the show Mythbusters. The hosts, Adam and Jamie, if you've never watched the show, would spend the entire time either proving or disproving things that people thought might be possible or were, po were impossible. They'd explore questions like, could a snowplow actually rip a plane in half? Or is it really impossible to fold a piece of paper in half more than seven times? Spoiler alert on this last one. If you have a big enough piece of paper, enough people, a forklift, and a steamroller, then it is possible to fold a piece of paper in half 11 times. But it's things like that that they would explore, uh, things like that that they would try and figure out. There's something within us. The show went on for many years because there's something within us that wants to know if something that we believed was true is actually true. Something that we once thought was truth, is it really true or is it a myth? Uh, if you shot a scuba tank that was in the mouth of a shark, would it really blow the shark up? 
Truth is, according to Adam and Jamie says, it won't. Have you ever come to believe something as true and then only later find out it's not true? Have you ever been taken in by something and you thought, oh, that's absolutely true and then only later realized that it's not? And did you spread that truth to anyone else before you realized that it wasn't true? Back in 2003, uh, a book that came out that became wildly popular was called The Da Vinci Code by Dan Brown. It had some crazy theories in it uh, and certainly things about Christianity that suddenly all of a sudden brought all these arguments and, and discussions up that weren't happening before because Brown made these outlandish claims in his fictional book, things like Jesus was actually married to Mary Magdalene. And because, even though the book was fiction, because he referenced historical places and, and historical things and, and historical times, that some people started to think, well, maybe some of this is true. And maybe there has been a conspiracy for the last 2,000 years to cover up uh, Jesus and his marriage and these things in Christianity. To the point that I actually had to teach a class at the church in 2004 debunking my own little Mythbusters or Snopes.com debunking all of Dan Brown's logic and, and showing the, the jumps that he tries to make, the outright lies that he tells and the logical fallacies that he follows in the book to show that these things just aren't true. But the reality is there were people, and maybe even some Christians that were talking about this, or people who called themselves Christians and saying, wow, maybe these things are true. Have you ever been taken in by something and thought it was true and shared it, but then later found out it wasn't true? The reality is there's a cost to that. When we as people, but especially when we as Christians, will take something and share it as truth, but later find out it's not true, there is a cost to that. And I want to talk about that for a few minutes this morning, because the passage we come to this morning, that's exactly what's going on. There was something that the Thessalonian church had come to believe as true, that Paul is writing to them and saying, it's just not true. But there was a cost to them believing it. The event that uh, Paul is talking about in 2 Thessalonians 2 that Lewis just read about is the coming of Jesus Christ, the second coming of Jesus Christ. And the reason we jumped to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 is because Justin last week talked about the coming of Jesus Christ, and so we kind of grouped together these two passages that talk about it. But something happened between the first letter to the Thessalonians and the second letter to the Thessalonians, and here's what happened. Some of the people in Thessalonica, had somehow come to believe that Jesus had already come and they had missed it. And so Paul writes to them in chapter 2 of 2 Thessalonians and he says, Now concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered together to him, we ask you, brothers, not to be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed, either by a spirit or a spoken word or a letter seeming to be from us, to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. 
Let no one deceive you in any way, for that day will not come unless the rebellion comes first and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction, who opposes and exalts himself against every so-called God or object of worship so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. So that's the problem, that between the first and the second letter, some people had said, Jesus already came and you missed it. And Paul is writing the second letter and he's saying, that's just not true. That's a lie and don't believe it. And he gives them some very simple logic. He says, before Jesus comes, this one is coming, this man of lawlessness. And you will know when he comes, because he's going to set himself up against every other thing that proclaims to be God. He's going to call himself God. He's going to take his seat in the temple. And everyone will know that he's come. And so since he hasn't come yet, that means Jesus hasn't come yet. And so you don't have to worry about it. And that is essentially the entirety of Paul's logic in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. The entirety of his point is Jesus hasn't come yet. But here's the thing. I have been a Christian a long time. I grew up in kids ministry. I grew up in youth ministry. I went through all the things. I've been to three different theological colleges. I've been a pastor for nearly two decades. And I have never run across a person that tried to convince me that Jesus has already come. And so when we come to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, uh, what I find then is people often take one of two approaches. Either they completely skip past it and rush past it because they don't believe Jesus has already come. No one they know believes Jesus has already come. So let's just move past it. Let's get to chapter, you know, let's get to chapter 3. Or they do the opposite and they stay in this chapter and they... Take it like it's a riddle to be solved. And they want to know who is the man of lawlessness and, and, and where is he? And is he, you know, on the scene right now? And they take it almost as a riddle to be solved. And I'll be honest, in my lifetime, just about every world leader who's come onto the scene, I've heard someone say is the man of lawlessness. But if you take either of those extreme positions, you miss a major point that's happening in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. You miss a major thing that's happening, and that is that there has been an untruth spread as truth, and there was a cost to it. And if you and I, if we're not careful, and we start spreading things as truth, and later we find out they're not true, there's going to be a cost to us as well. And so there are three costs I want to talk about real quickly this morning. And then I want to talk about how do we keep from being people who end up spreading untruths to other people. The first cost that there is, the first cost that there is to spreading an untruth as truth, the first cost is there is an emotional price that's often paid. An emotional price. Paul says in these verses, he says, look, don't be shaken in your mind and don't be alarmed. In other words, this lie, this untruth has caused an unsettling among them. Uh, the literal translation of alarmed is moved in your belly or sick to your stomach. They have become disturbed or frightened about something that isn't even true. It's complete speculation. It's been brought up to bring fear up in the midst of them. And so Paul says, look, don't, don't, don't go. Don't be alarmed. Don't get all shaken in your mind. Don't get all thrown off kilter. Especially by these little things that, that people are saying are true that aren't even true. So you and I sometimes are thrown off kilter. And we let our emotions get all out of whack by things that are not even true. 
And we need to be careful about that. Don't let our world get turned upside down by things that aren't true. That's the first cost. There's an emotional cost. And we have to be careful about that because we'll end up spending emotional energy in there. But the second cost of believing and spreading an untruth as truth is you and I can be taken off mission. We can be distracted from the mission that God has called us to when we end up uh, focusing so much on these things that are, that are speculative and not the main core of what we're supposed to be doing. Think about it from the Thessalonians' point of view. If they came to believe this untruth, this lie that Jesus had already come, how's that going to change the way that they live? They're not going to live urgently and prepared lives, as we talked about last week, that they should be living to anticipate that Jesus is coming. They're going to give up hope. They're going to be fearful. They're going to be frightened. They're going to forget it. They're going to say, no, it's not even worth it. Jesus has already come, and we missed it. They're going to get off mission. They're going to be distracted. And the truth is, because this lie was spread, Paul himself was distracted from him, his mission and from the gospel that he was supposed to be sharing. He, Paul, this great church planter, this great uh, person who, who shared the gospel all throughout the Roman world, now he has to take time away and say, you know, Timothy, take a letter. Here we go. We're going to have to correct this. I've got to take time to correct this lie that the Thessalonians have come to believe. So let's take some time to do this. Now Paul is distracted from the mission that he's called to. But he has to correct this. Paul, in other places, in other writings, talks uh, much about not getting bogged down and not getting distracted by silly arguments and myths. In fact, especially when he's writing to Timothy, his disciple, he, he says this and he talks about this. In, second, in 1 Timothy 4, 7, he writes to Timothy, have nothing to do with irreverent silly myths, rather train yourself for godliness. In 2 Timothy 2, uh, he says this, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth, but avoid irreverent babble, for it will lead people into more and more ungodliness, and their talk will spread like gangrene. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, he says it this way, O Timothy, guard the deposit entrusted to you. Avoid the irreverent babble and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge. Irreverent babble and silly myths. I can't help but wonder how much of our talk today Paul would see as irreverent babble and silly myths. We must be careful, man of God and woman of God, not to be part of spreading silly myths and irreverent talk. How much energy did we waste? How much have we lost on our mission? Paul says in the last verse of this section, he says, let these words comfort you in every good word and work that you do. May God bless it in verses 16 and 17. What he's saying is, look, I wrote this to comfort you, but also so that you would just get back to your mission, the word and the work that God has given to you. Jesus, just before he ascended to heaven, he gave words to his disciples, and they were not. Make sure you figure out who the man of lawlessness is. What they were was go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. And so let us not get distracted from our mission. That's the second cost. The third cost is this. It's a loss of credibility. 
a loss of credibility. Paul spends time discrediting the people who have purported these myths. He said, don't believe them. They're discredited because they've shared with you a lie. I don't know why these people were sharing this myth, but Paul says, don't believe them. It's not worth believing. Maybe they had actually come to believe it. Maybe they had other nefarious motives. Maybe they just wanted to seem smarter than everyone else. Maybe they liked thinking they had access to some secret interpretation that other people did not see. Maybe it helped them feel in control. I don't know what their motivation was, but Paul says they are discredited. Don't believe it. They're no longer credible. Don't believe what they've said. And look, Christian, if we are taken up spreading an untruth, we lose credibility. When people find out we were wrong about something, we lose credibility in their eyes. And when we do it on social media, in this larger context, in the world that we live in, there's really no way to go back and restore that credibility because the people who saw our first post may not see our second post and all they know is we shared something that turned out to be a lie. The truth is this, look, you and I already have a hard task in front of us. We are trying to convince people that there is a God who exists, who created all the universe, who created the entire solar system, who created everything you see and you don't see. And this God knows you and loves you. He knows every star by name and every hair on your head. And this God came to earth 2,000 years ago, sent his son Jesus Christ to earth, who is also God. He, he sent him to earth, this God, this three and one Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Son of God came to earth and he lived on earth and then he was crucified on a cross and he died and he was at a tomb for three days and then he was resurrected and he spent some time with his disciples before he ascended to his Father's side in heaven where he is today. And if you will put your faith and your trust in him, you can be saved for eternity, forgiveness for your sins and spend eternity for him with him forever. And this is the message we're trying to convince people of. And Christian, I don't know if you realize it or not, this sounds downright unbelievable to anybody outside the church. So do you understand that if you and I go around spreading speculative ideas that turn out not to be true, guess what they do with the claims about Jesus' resurrection and love for them? They're going to put them in that same category as speculation. Listen, Christian, there's a reason Let's just be honest with each other. There's a reason why people target evangelical Christians with misinformation. Listen, we need to be smarter and wiser. Stop spending so much time on speculative thinking. And if you want to explore those things, do it in private, especially if you can't prove it because it hurts your witness and frankly, it hurts mine too. Be careful, Christian, what you're spreading as truth that might later be found out to be untruth. Be careful what you're sharing. Make sure it is true. There have been a lot of things people are sharing right now that might be true, but the truth is you don't know if it's true. Be careful when you do this, Christian. If it turns out not to be true, you have hurt your witness and lost credibility. There are a lot of things being shared right now that might be true. Where did the coronavirus come from? What's the purpose of it? Was it an accident? Were there other malicious uh, motives or intent involved? Were there bad actors involved? Is it a state cover-up? I don't know, and neither do you. But here's what I know. If we know the truth, capital T, 
then we better be sure that whatever we are talking about is truth and not just might be truth. And as I say this, it's easy to point the finger and hard to look in the mirror, but I'm not asking you to look at other people. I'm not asking you. I know someone else is probably coming to your mind, but don't do it. Look at your own heart. When I was researching this sermon, I started Googling conspiracy theories that Christians have believed over the years. And I'll be honest with you, I read a few of them. And when I thought, when that first came out, I think I thought that was true. And it's since been proven as completely false. Christian, let's just be careful that whatever we're sharing as true is the truth. Because ultimately, when we believe things that are not true, it causes us to act in ways that are not right. And if we spread those ideas to other people and they start believing things that are not true, it's going to cause them to act in ways that are not right. There's a cost to getting taken in and spreading untruths. There's an emotional cost, a missional cost, and a credibility cost. So how do you avoid getting taken in? How do you avoid, uh, you, know, you know, believing something as true that's not true? You don't have to go to Mythbusters. You don't have to go to Snopes.com. Paul makes it very easy for you. You go to this word. Verse 15 of chapter 2 says this, So then, brothers, stand firm and hold to the traditions that you were taught by us, either by our spoken word or by our letter. They didn't have this completed inspirational word of God in this book like we have it, but you have it. You want to know how to avoid spreading untruth? Then make sure you're spreading the truth. Measure it against the word of God and make sure that you are knowing how to read the Bible and how to interpret it and you are not making the Bible say something that you want it to say because that's a temptation too. The best book I can recommend to you, the one book that I think every college theology that I've studied, every college where I've studied theology required of me to read was How to Read the Bible for All It's Worth by Gordon Fee and Douglas Stewart. It's a classic. It's been issued like three, four times. But I encourage you, a couple hundred pages. That's the best book I can recommend to you to make sure when you and I are reading this truth that we are not reading our ideas into it but are receiving what God has for us out of it. You want to know how to keep from spreading untruth? Then get into this word and make sure and measure everything against God's truth. God has given you this. Paul says, look, measure it against what you've been taught by us and what's been written, and you and I are to measure it against this word. When it comes to the things that we are sharing, ask yourself this question. Are you more excited to share the gospel than you are the latest theory or insight you've come across? If not, then why? Have you lost, Christian, your awe of what God has done for you in Jesus Christ? Have you lost the wonder of being forgiven for your sins? Have you lost sight of how great the love of God is for you and for those who are lost? Because when we grasp that, when we understand that truth, we don't have to worry ourselves with sharing things that might be true because we've got this incredible story and incredible good news for a world that needs to hear it. You and I have the greatest, most unbelievably true news the world has ever heard. It's a scandalous grace that a holy God would love an unholy people 
and give his life for them. That if they would put their faith and their trust in him, they receive forgiveness and life forevermore. You don't need the Da Vinci Code or the latest corona conspiracy. You've got the gospel of Jesus Christ to share. You and I have this incredible good news to share. So Christian, just be careful when you are sharing things that might be true, that they don't start confusing the truth that you and I follow. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And we need to be careful that we do not get people's eyes off the truth with a capital T because of all these speculative, small truths that we start purporting and putting out. Let's pray. Lord, we come before you today. And Lord, this is a hard word this morning for some of us, Lord. Lord, in the world that we live in, everybody seems to be spreading all kinds of ideas and sometimes we want to jump into the fray. We want to correct things. We want to bring different perspectives. And, and Lord, when we do, sometimes we may have gone a little bit too far and taken our eyes off what's mostly important. God, I pray that we would take very seriously that Christians, followers of God, are to be people of truth above all that you have required us not to bear false witness, that the words that we say are truth and can be trusted, such that they can trust us when we speak about anything and then they can certainly trust us when we speak about you. Lord, we want to follow you as the truth and to be people of truth. So help us to do that by your grace and by your mercy. And it's in the truth In Jesus' name we pray and ask these things. Amen.